Well, good morning, everybody. Good to see you here this morning. And I, I, I really mean that. I, uh, what, like, think Friday afternoon, maybe even yesterday morning, there was like a 90% chance of rain this morning. And I, I prayed it away. Uh, that's what pastors do when it's going to rain on Sunday morning is, is we pray away the rain. No, it, it is good to see you today as we, uh, as we continue our series on First and Second Peter that we've began a, a couple of weeks ago. And our, our series today, our passage today brings us to a word. It's kind of a different word. You know, in some ways it's not, in some ways it is. It, in the ways it's not, it's a, it's a word that is read throughout the Bible. It is a word that you hear at church all the time. It is a word that most of us are, are, are going to say we've heard or perhaps even understood. And, and so in that sense, it's, it's a very common word. And yet in another sense, I, I wonder sometimes if we do know what this word means. I, I wonder if we're drawn to this word, even have negative connotations about this word. And, and, and the word I'm talking about, I mean, let, let's quit walking around it. I'll just say it. it. It's the word holiness. Holy. Now, when I say the word holy, I mean, we know you, you're not shocked to hear that word in church, are you? No, we hear it all the time in church. We read it in the Bible. We know that holy is a, a devotion that we have to God. It is to being like God. I mean, I might even say holiness is the path marked out from, for us from the day we're born again to, to the day that Jesus is revealed to all the world. That's how central this word is. It is a, it is a central word that describes our God. It is a central word that describes our walk with him. And, and so you're not shocked. You don't go, wow, I didn't expect to hear the word holy today. I didn't expect to hear somebody say you need to be holy. And, and yet, as common as the word is, I wonder, are we drawn to that word? Do, do we know what that word means? Do you know that somebody that's holy, and maybe the bigger question is, do you want to be like them? Do you know somebody that's holy, and, and are, they, are they happy? I, I don't know why it is, but I, and maybe this is just me, but, but I think there are some negative ideas that have creeped in about holiness. I don't think it's from Scripture. I don't, I don't think it's from God. But maybe we get an idea that holiness, well, that's somebody that really obeys the rules and tries to make everybody around them obey the rules. Or holiness is being weird. <laughs> or, or holiness is being a monk. I don't want to be a monk. You know, or, or, or holiness is, uh, you know, something that, uh, you, you know, I'm just not very good at. You know, I mean, none of us are drawn to something we're not good at. None of us wants to do something that, that we don't feel like we're going to be successful or, or that we're going to achieve. And, you know, I mean, I've, I've kind of worked at holiness. I tried that. I don't, I don't think I'm very good at it. Hey, here's some good news today. You don't have to work real hard to be holy. Holiness is not a product of, of how hard you're trying. As a matter of fact, all the holiness you need is already inside you. First Peter chapter one, verse two, which when I say this will be the third Sunday in a row that I, I've said it. God, the father knew you and he chose you long ago and his spirit has what made say that again, made past tense. It doesn't say the spirits in the process. The spirits trying really hard. If you would just catch up. No, it says that the spirit has made you holy. As a result, you have obeyed. 
Do, do you see what side of obedience holiness comes on? It's not if I obey well enough, if I obey good enough, I can be holy. No, I'm obeying because holiness is in me. Obedience is me stepping into the path, into the life that that God has already placed inside me. You you know, holiness is is just little more than, than being set apart to God. That's what the word means. Holiness means set apart. If I've got 10 apples here and I set one apart, that one's now holy. I mean, at a real base definition, there's there's the crowd and then I have made one distinct. I've made one separate and different from the others by putting it over here. Now, when you add the biblical sense to that, I think we know, okay, I've been set apart or something is set apart to not be evil, to not be bad, right? Right? But did you know in the biblical context, it wasn't just being set apart from evil. It also included being set apart from common. Being set apart from neutral. In other words, holiness is not just I'm not doing anything wrong at the moment. No, I've been, I've been set apart to truth and to righteousness and to goodness and to, and to purity. It's being set apart unto these kinds of ideas. Now, now you and I have been set apart unto God. So I've, I've been called out. I'm distinct from the world. And I'm now in a process of being more and more like God. I mean, that's what holiness is. It's, it's you and I growing to be more and more like God and less and less like the world. And you want to know the good news? God's grace allows for that to be a process. You know, it's not that you and I receive Christ or we're born again and the next day, boom, I'm a walking, talking, breathing Jesus. No, it, it's a process, isn't it? it? It takes time to become more and more like Jesus. And God's grace allows for it to take time. God's grace, He is patient with us. But folks, God's holiness does demand we get involved in the process. Does that make sense? His grace allows for it to be a process. His holiness demands we are in the process. That is a desire that we have. And so we, we come to our passage today, 1 Peter chapter 1, and it's going to put that word holiness out there. It's going to mark that path for us that God is patient for us, gracious for us to get on but does expect it to happen. Let's look at that passage, 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 13. If you have a Bible with you, open that up to, to 1 Peter. Quickest way to get there, go to the end of your Bible, Revelation, and start backing up. You'll go through some real short letters, Jude, 1st, 2nd, and 3rd John, and then you'll be at the two letters from Peter. Now, this is our third Sunday. Two Sundays ago, we just kind of introduced the two book, the two letters together, got an overall feel. If we left there with one word, it was probably the word suffering, right? Right? Peter is writing to us about suffering, not all kinds of suffering. And, and I said he's going to hone in on a particular kind of suffering. Well, guess what? That suffering has to do with holiness. When you and I are being set apart, when we're becoming distinct from the world, that can, in some cases, will bring some suffering into our lives. So we're starting with today's passage, kind of get the groundwork of really what the rest of this is going to be about. Now to take that on, to stay on the path, man, we've got to have hope, don't we? 
Man, when you're taking it on the chin, you got to have hope. This gets better one day. And we saw last week our, our great hope is the day that Jesus is revealed to all the world. And that hope doesn't mean we just survive another day. It means we wake up into a day to walk in holiness. So let's, let's see how he kind of maps this out for us. Chapter 1, verse 13. So prepare your minds for action and exercise self-control. Put all your hope in the gracious salvation that will come to you when Jesus Christ is revealed to the world. You know what? That's the third time now he has said that line since verse 1. Three times he has said that in 13 verses. Verse 14. So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You, d- you didn't know any better then, but now, now you must be holy in everything you do. Just as God who chose you is holy. For the scriptures say, you must be holy because I am holy. Hey, did you notice how that sentence just rolled out? The scriptures say, and then it's God talking. Folks, you realize when the scriptures are speaking, God is speaking. That's a pretty profound lesson there, isn't it? Yes would be a good answer. Yeah, when the scriptures are speaking, God is speaking. Think about how much you and I wrestle with scripture, don't like that scripture, don't like that. Whatever we're doing with it, understand when the scriptures are speaking, God is speaking. Verse 17, and remember that the heavenly father to whom you pray has no favorites. He will judge or reward you according to what you do. So you must live in reverent fear of him. And during your time here as temporary residents. For you know that God paid a ransom to save you from the empty life you inherited from your ancestors. It just said every one of us inherited an empty life. That, that's a reference to what we discussed last week, right? With being born again. Physically, I've had a birth, but, but spiritually, I'm dead. I, that's what I inherited from humanity. Spiritual death. I, I inherited a DNA where I naturally rebel against God. I naturally disobey Him. So that's what we inherited, but look what happened. We were ransomed from that by God. It was not, that ransom was not paid with mere gold or silver, which lose their value. It was the precious blood of Christ. The sinless, spotless Lamb of God. God chose him as your ransom long before the world began. But now in these last days, he has been revealed for your sake. Through Christ, you have come to trust in God. And you have placed your faith and your hope in God because he raised Christ from the dead. You remember last week we said hope. You know, in our language and the way we use that word, hope is just wishful thinking. But, but in the Bible, the word hope is used as something that is, you have a hope in something because it's of its tie to certainty. Not, not wishful thinking. And here, boy, you see that right there. We have this hope in God. Why? Because of a historical fact. God raised Jesus from the dead. Verse 22. You were cleansed from your sins when you obeyed the truth. So now you must show sincere love to each other. As brothers and sisters, love each other deeply with all your heart. For you have been born again. That's the second time we've heard that phrase in chapter 1 now. For you have been born again, not to a life that will quickly end. Your new life will last forever because it comes from the eternal living word of God. As the scriptures say, people are like grass. Their beauty is like a flower in the field. Hey, the grass withers. And the flower fades, 
But the word of the Lord remains forever. And that word is the good news that was preached to you. So get rid of all evil behavior. Be done with all deceit, hypocrisy, jealousy, and all unkind speech. Now, don't we kind of question the word all? I mean, there's some people, there's some situations that just have some unkind speech coming to them, right? No, it just flat out says, in light of everything we've just learned and said, no, zero, at all, unkind speech. Like newborn babies. That word newborn is kind of cool there. It's very actually important. Hold on to that one. Like newborn babies, you must crave pure spiritual milk so that you may grow into a full experience. You know what a full experience of salvation is? Walking in holiness with a holy God and enjoying every second of it. Come into the full experience of salvation. Cry out for this nourishment now that you've had a taste of the Lord's kindness. Now, you heard heard the call to be holy in there, didn't you? Be be holy. Be holy. Now, if that doesn't set the bar high enough for you, because doesn't just the idea of holy seem like something you can barely touch and grasp? I mean, even lie to the fact that God said it's already in me. It just sounds like way up there. But then it says what? Be holy as I am. Am holy. What kind of holy am I to be? Oh, the God kind of holy. Well, that seems like way up there. And, and, and so in being holy like God, I'm set apart. I'm not like everything else. I'm, I'm, I'm seeking to grow in him and be like him more and more each and every day. I, I'm not seeing it as something to, to shun. I'm not seeing it as, oh, this is just about keeping rules. Hey, you know what rules are? You know what commands are? Whatever word there. And I think in our culture, we don't really interact good with either word, do we? I mean, we we really don't like the word rule or command. All all those simply are as ways of understanding what God is like. When it says don't lie, it's because God is truth. So if I'm growing to be more like God, well, what's he like? He's really like truth. He's really like love. He's really like forgiveness. Think of all the commands that come out of those. It's not about obeying rules. It's about becoming more and more like God. And and as we do that, it can bring some suffering. It it can bring some difficulty and challenges. And and we tend to want to get off that road, don't we? I don't like pain. I don't like awkwardness. So so how do I get off this road? And Peter says here, hey, listen, there's the day we're standing at, the day we're born again. And then there's the day that he has revealed to all the world. That day. What do I do between here and there? To stay on this path of holiness. And he gives us seven ideas here. I know that sounds like a daunting number. We'll move through them kind of quickly, okay? But seven things we need to be thinking, we need to be doing, that that we need to understand if we're really going to engage this process. If we're going to take advantage of God's grace. Man, he's gracious. He's patient. Okay, how do I take on this path? Number one, I got to be ready. I mean, did you, did you see that word right out of the, the, the gate here? Man, you, you've got to be ready for what's out there. As you go onto this path, it's, I hate using this language, it's a war. It's a war we wage. And this is where most of us never get involved because we're, we're walking into life and we're not recognizing any enemy. Oh, we have enemies, right? Paul said, you know, your enemies don't have flesh and blood. <laughs> The enemy isn't the person at work or school or the... Na- that's not your enemy. That, that's not who your war is with. Well, who's my war with? What am I to be ready for? You know what? Your goal is to be holy. 
And the devil doesn't want you to be holy. The world doesn't want you to be holy. And unfortunately, there's some things inside me. There's desires inside me that don't want me to be holy. Those, those are my enemies. Folks, are we entering any day? Did, did we enter one day this past week where we acknowledge these forces that are out there that are there for one reason, to keep you and I from going where we're called to go? To keep us from being what we're, we're called to be. If, if I'm not ready for that, guess what? I have no chance. I'm not, it's like I'm not even in the game and yet there's a scoreboard. You know, man, I mean, being ready means I'm thinking about holiness. Where, where did I lose ground yesterday? Where did I gain ground yesterday? Boy, in light of that, what's the game plan for today? There, there's a readiness. There's an understanding. It's a mentality, isn't it? It's a mentality of understanding the world I live in and what's, what's going on. And, and you see, it says, be ready for action. That mentality I have moves me to acting. So, I, so I've got to be ready. Number two, you've got to be clear. I've got to be clear. Boy, I think there is a, an incredible force in our world, a, a, an incredible temptation in me to be anything but clear. Now, the word you see there probably in your text is the word sober. Now, when we see the word sober, just one issue, one thing comes to our mind, right? We're not drunk. And, and actually, this passage is not about whether you're drunk or not drunk. That's often how the word is used. But when he says sober, he's talking about something a little bit different here. You know, let's think about being drunk. Other people, of course. You're supposed to laugh right there because y'all don't ever get drunk, okay? Uh, when other people are drunk, what are they? They're, they're kind of fuzzy in their thinking, right? Can't even walk a straight line. I mean, that's how we know. You know, the speech is a little bit slurred. There's a, there's a fuzziness. There's a non-clarity about them. They're not, they don't have control over themselves. So when Peter's saying here, be sober, what he's saying is be just the opposite of that. Man, you're very clear. You're razor sharp on what you believe. Razor sharp on how you live what you believe. Now, let me say again, maybe it'll make more sense. Isn't there a temptation to be anything but that in our world? I, I, I think sometimes we just kind of naturally go to it and the world is, listen, the world doesn't care if you have faith as long as it's a kind of sort of faith. What do I mean by kind of sort of? I kind of know what I believe. I, 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 I kind of know what the Bible says. I kind of live it. You know, as long as you're not sober about your faith, clear, razor sharp, you can be, you can be kind of sore all day, but that's not what we are. We're very clear. We're to be very, on this path of holiness, we're clear about what we believe. We're clear about how we live it. And once we become clear, it's a little bit easier to measure. Because the third thing we see is we're, we're, we're to be careful about, or the third thing we see is to be, we're to be hopeful. I was about to say number four if I sounded like I was stumbling there. But number three is we're, we are to be hopeful. Now, that's the third time, as I said a moment ago, that Peter's used this phrase about looking forward to, about expecting that day that, that we see the Lord. Man, that's, that's the great hope in our life, isn't it? Jesus Christ returning. I, I'm, I'm assuming if I were to take a poll and say, is Jesus returning the great hope of your life? I'm guessing 75% of us, 85% of us would say yes. Am I right? 39% maybe? 
man, y'all just not with it today. Come on. Yeah, the return of the Lord. That is our great hope. And, and, and if we were, oh, no, no, don't clap now. <laughs> yeah, but I mean, I, I think if we were taking a survey, we would say, yes, that's my great hope. Now, here, here's the follow-up question to that. When's the last time you thought about it? Can something be my great hope that I never think about? Now, I don't think you and I intend for that to happen. I think what happens, and I'm just thinking pretty innocently of us, I think what happens is just a lot of other kind of current right in front of us hopes crowd in there, right? I I mean, hey, there's nothing more important than Jesus returning, but I do hope I have a good vacation this summer. I, I, I do hope, how about these graduates? Some of them, I hope I have a good roommate this fall. Boy, I hope this job decision I've just made is going to work out and is going to be what I hope. You know, I, boy, I sure hope this is, is going to happen at work. We got a lot of other hopes. And, and listen, there's nothing wrong with having a hope for today. There's nothing wrong with having hopes in, in the world and, and things of this world. But because they're kind of right in front of us, they crowd in front. And all of a sudden, the hope in Jesus just gets real distant and back. To, hey, what if? What if the Lord was to return tomorrow? Whoops. (laughs) Maybe I should have brought that a little further, a a little bit closer up here to me. But see, all these other hopes crowd in. How do we make what I think we want to be our great hope, how do we take that and make that something that's right in front of us all the time? Now, this is going to sound very pastory to say. You expect pastors to say this. Go to church. Right? go to church. You know why? Because when you go to church, that day is kind of... As a matter of fact, I'm surprised nobody in here said this. You know, when I asked the question, when's the last time you thought about the the Lord returning? Most of you should have said, oh, me, I thought about it last week. Because that's what we talked about last Sunday, right? Right. Okay, man, I'm telling you what. So when I'm in church... Guess what? That day is brought back to me. That day is put in front of me. Of course, a little bit like going to church, read the Bible. Read your Bible. Read it a lot. Read it often. Why? Because it constantly reminds me, hey, as important as all today's concerns and worries and anxieties are, remember, there's a big day. There's the day that is coming. But reading the Bible keeps it in front of me. How about this one? Pray about it. I mean, you pray about your hopes, right? Anything you're hoping in right now, hoping for, I I, I bet you're praying about it. Well, if I'm hoping in the Lord's return, why not pray? Hey, Jesus, I sure pray you return. I bet we got a lot of young people that are praying he returns tonight because finals start tomorrow. (laughs) Jesus, if you could return tonight, that'd be awesome. You know, hey, let's pray. God, I want, uh, please come back. Do you realize every prayer you have this morning, this week, every single prayer request you've ever uttered is ultimately answered when Jesus returns. There may be a current answer, a temporary, but ultimately it's answered when he returns. Jesus, would you come back and may I see that as the great answer to everything? You know, there's another way to pray about the Lord's return, and that is to pray that it in fact would be your hope. You know, I I, I got convicted of this reading a passage just like 1 Peter. It may have been 1 Peter. 
Uh, three or four years ago, I, I, I realized, man, I've, I've been a believer all my life. If you surveyed me, I, I, I would say, yes, I, I believe that Jesus is the, the great hope. Jesus come back. But I didn't think about it. I didn't think about it any more than you did unless it, you know, was on a passage I was reading or the preacher was talking about it. And about three or four years ago, I became really convicted. This is not my great hope. I mean, I would say it is. But my, my thinking, my practice doesn't show that. So I just began praying, Lord, would you make your return the great hope in my life? Would you make the idea of you coming back the thing that fills me with more joy than anything else? And I don't remember the exact day I started that. It's been about three or four years ago, but I've prayed it every single day since. I want to keep that hope front and center. Well, you know how I keep it in front and center? Every single day I say, Jesus, make it front and center. Make that what I want more than anything else. Why is hope so important? Because it's what keeps us on the path and desiring the path. And hey, listen, if Jesus returning is the big hope of my life, then walking in the fullness of my salvation, being holy is going to become a great desire of my life. Number, number four, be aware of backwards. There, there is a backwards on the path, Right? I mean, we know there's a forwards. I think sometimes in our, in our walk with God, we like, to, we like to assume that maybe, okay, I know I'm not going forwards. I'm just standing still. You know, it's interesting. The scripture never really paints a picture of standing still. I mean, if we're standing still, it's really, it's probably just for a moment. We're, we're either moving forwards or, or we're sliding backwards. We're sliding back into what is unholy. Sometimes that is where maybe we're struggling with a particular sin. We're struggling with a particular issue or person. Sometimes the sliding backwards isn't a, a particular sin or person. It's just our whole life. Man, we're, we're just in a season of life where the Lord is not that important to me. What the Lord thinks is not that important. I just don't care. <laughs> it's just not where I am right now. Man, that, that's, that's sliding backwards. That, that, that's, that's not okay, right? I mean, folks, holiness means it matters to me where I am. And, and, and see, I think, I, I think we end up thinking that it doesn't really matter where we are, and we attach that to the love and forgiveness of God. I mean, we come to, to church, and, and we're told how much we're loved by God and how much we're forgiven by God. And so, you know, I know I should, and I know I shouldn't, and, but I mean, it works out in the end, doesn't it? I'm still loved by Him. I'm still forgiven. Is that what love and forgiveness means, is that nothing really matters anymore? Hey, let's say on, on the way out today, you and I are talking, and no real reason, I just haul off and punch you in the eye. I mean, black eye. I mean, like, wow, look at that. Pastor gave that guy a black eye. And, and you know, I, I, pretty soon I feel bad about doing that. I mean, you'd like to think I'd feel bad about doing that, right? I mean, you can see by looking at me, I'm clearly somebody that handles most problems by a fist fight. And, and, and so, but I get convicted. I come to you and I say, hey, man, you know what? I, I don't know what I was thinking there and this was happening. I really acted bad. W- listen, would you forgive me? And, and you're just in a really warm, good moment. And you say, you know what, Pastor? I trust you. Matter of fact, I love you as my pastor, and yes, I forgive you. And I say, oh, man, thank you so much. I, I give you a hug, and then I punch you in the eye. Say, what, what, what was that? Well, I mean, you love me, and you're going to forgive me, and all right, so it doesn't matter. You know, that, that's not, Pastor, that's stupid. That's, not, that's exactly how we treat God. 
Because I'm loved and forgiven, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. I mean, it's going to work out in the, in the end. Folks, God doesn't love and forgive us so we can return to the very things we need to be loved over and forgiven of. Right? That, that doesn't make any sense. And so, and so I need to look at my life. I need to say, hey, hey, listen, am I, I mean, obviously the more positive way of saying be aware of backwards is I really want to be moving forward in holiness. Is that a desire of mine? Am I thinking about that, praying for that, measuring that in my life? Hey, I know God's put this holiness in me. I want it coming out. I want to live it. And we should want to live it because guess what? One day we're going to talk about it with the Lord. That's number five. Be aware that we stand before the Lord. Guess what? Loved and forgiven people still stand before God. Loved and forgiven people still stand before God. And we're told here to fear the Lord. And, and I know probably in our way of thinking that sounds contradictory to some other biblical ideas that maybe we've latched onto, that I can be a friend of God, that, that God's my father, that he loves and forgives me. Fear of the Lord doesn't mean we're hiding and trembling and don't want to be in the room if God's in there. Fearing the Lord means respect. I mean, think about what we've read here in these, in these verses. I respect the fact that I was spiritually dead and God came and got me. I respect that because of God, I can be born again. I respect that God paid the blood of his own son for that to be possible, for that to happen. I respect that I've been cleansed of my sins. What does respect mean there? I honor it. I acknowledge it. And boy, I want to live rightly in light of it, right? You you know what fear of the Lord is? Fear of the Lord is this. I'm standing here and out there, I'm going to stand before God. And my next step matters. That, that is a biblical definition of the fear of the Lord. My next step, how I respond, how I act, how I decide, what I do, it matters to the Lord. That's what, that's what fear of the Lord is. It matters. Think about how all these ideas tie together. When I'm sober, when I'm clear-headed, when I'm razor-sharp... When I'm not falling backwards, but I'm moving forwards, what am I doing? I'm preparing a life that can joyfully look forward to standing before God and knowing that the next, the next step mattered. And here again, aren't we tempted? Aren't we pressured by the, oh, it doesn't, it doesn't really matter. Yeah, the this, this scripture says it, it matters. A loved and forgiven person still stands before a holy God. Number six, be loving. I I, I love that. I love how Peter sneaks that in. The scripture always speaks, folks, to where we are, to what we're doing, to to what we need. And Peter, God knew that when you and I, sometimes when we pick up holiness, it can be real easy for you and I to become more devoted to the rules than we are to God. Instead of being focused on God and my love for him, I become focused on my rules and, and how well I'm keeping those rules. And, and really, let's be honest, we get even more joy of being focused on how others are keeping the rules because they just make us feel better about ourselves and we're, we're not keeping the rules, right? But we can become so, so devoted to that. And I think that's actually where holiness starts to get some of its negative connotations. What some of us, we've had interactions with the holy person at church and they were mean. 
And, and they were judgmental and they were ugly and you never felt like you had a chance. And you, you almost get that a holy God is waiting to catch you. So he can slap you. Peter says, hey, you know what? On this path of holiness, be, be loving. You know what, folks? If you love somebody, you want holiness for them. You and I are living in a world where we're being told the exact opposite. If I love somebody, I'm, then that, that means I leave them right where they are. Any thought, any feeling, any, anything they've got going on in their life, I'm to applaud it. I'm to accept it. I'm, love means I just leave them right where... No, you know what, folks? Holiness means there is a right and there is a wrong. And when you love somebody, you want for them holiness. Now, the question becomes... How we encourage that in their lives. What's real easy to do is just shake your finger at them. Tell them how bad they are. Maybe if you got enough going for you, you can give them a good lecture. And that might work 2% of the time. (laughs) Want holiness for people. Think about how love shapes that and calls them to that holiness. I mean, folks, really the idea here, do, do you know why we're trying to be holy? So, so we can get into heaven? I want to be holy. What does holy mean? It means I look a lot like Christ. And maybe somewhere on this path of me growing more and more like Christ, somebody I really love and care for sees it and says, I, I want that. I, I want what you have. I want that relationship with God. I want to know the God you know. Be loving. And, and, and then lastly, long, be longing for God's word. You see that word there, newborn? That, that's such an important word, that zero to three months. You know why? Because a newborn baby doesn't eat or drink anything but what? Milk. And my experience with those newborn babies is when they decide it's time for milk, the whole world stops. I mean, they have a way of letting their little world know it, it's time for milk right now. And you're not going to sidetrack them. You're not going to get them thinking about something else or satisfied with something. No, right now it's time for milk. And I'm going to scream my head off until I get it. Right? That, that, that baby craves that milk. Peter says, you know what? That's you in the Bible. That's you in the Bible. You are to, you are to, nothing can sidetrack you from time in God's word. Nothing can divert your attention. You won't be satisfied but anything else but God's word. You crave it. Now, let's be honest, our our experience with the Word of God, especially in the beginning, probably can't be described by the word craving. You know, the first time I drank coffee, I thought it was awful. Bitter, right? You know, and the second time I tried coffee, it was even worse because somebody put milk and sugar in it. That is not how God gave us coffee. Why are you doing that? It makes it even worse. I don't remember how many times I tried it or why I was even drinking it, but I, I really did not like coffee. But then I got, hey, some of you graduates getting ready to go to college, you end up with some all-nighters and some finals that you should have been preparing all semester for, and now about the only thing that's going to get you through the night and to that final is about 10 cups of coffee. But you know, you for whatever reason that you start drinking that coffee, pretty soon you do start to what? Like it. Hey, this stuff's pretty good. And that light moves to Christ. That's what happens with God's word. You know what? I, I hope there has been some. Man, the first verse you read, it just, it, the Bible was yours. But probably for a lot of us, our first experiences with scripture, 
didn't draw us back. I don't understand what this is about. I, I'm not even sure I like it. I'm not sure I, uh, I agree. But you know what? You discipline yourself to keep coming back and to keep coming back and to keep coming back. And guess what? And I prayed this for a, a long time and I've really seen God answer it. David says, you know, your word is like honey on my lips. God, may I, may I give myself to your word to the point that it becomes like honey on my lips. Now, the obvious question is, why? Why do I want to keep working at it and working at it and working at it to the point that I crave it? Because, folks, this, this, this is the answer. This is our target. I mean, what do we say? Holiness. I, gotta, I want to be like God. I want to, I want to be holy. Well, well, what is God like? What is God not like? What, what is holiness? What is not holiness? The answer is right here every single time. You want to know what is not the answer? Your feelings are not the answer. Your feelings are not the answer of what God is like. Your feelings are not the answer of what holiness does in this moment. Am I saying your feelings are always wrong? Absolutely not. You want to know when your feelings are dead on right? When they're right in line with this word. You want to know something else that's not the answer? Your friends. Your friends are not the answer. You know what I hate to have to say, but I've just seen it too many times? Sometimes your friends at church are not the answer. Your, your, your friends at church are, are going to tell you something stupid, like follow your heart. Instead of saying, hey, let's go to God's word and follow that. You know when your friends are right? When they're right in line with this book. This is our target. This is the answer to everything I am looking for. This, because when this book speaks, who's speaking to me out of love? God. Then I really need to begin some practices and some exercises in my life till I get to the point that I, man, I love this like when honey hits my lips. That's just good right there. So we've, we've got a path. It's not an easy path. As a matter of fact, when I've been set apart, when I've become distinct from the world, as I've already said, that it's going to put me at odds sometimes. It's going to create awkward moments. And none of us likes an awkward moment. We're all going to do what we can to avoid an awkward moment with people, aren't we? Yes, I mean, that, we, none of us wants to be in that moment. But if I'm really growing in holiness, that could create some awkward situations or, or worse. Let's say you have 100 friends. And, and, and you're really, we're, we're, it's now, we're, we're looking at, not looking at summer 2018, we're now looking at Christmas 2018. And boy, in the last six months, you have, man, you've really been moving down the road. You're really growing in holiness. It's coming out of you and you're living it and you're, you're experiencing the fullness of that salvation. But in that, out of that hundred friends, I mean, let, let's, let's say a lot, 94 of them really aren't comfortable with how you're thinking and acting now. And, and that creates some, some discomfort. But, but in that, there's five, six friends that see something happening in your life and they're intrigued by it. They, they see something happening in your life and they say, hey, I want to know what's going on. Hey, I, I, I see in there an answer. I see in there something I need for my life. Would you and I be willing to lose 94 friends to sow Jesus to six? And the goal is not to lose 94 friends. Okay, holiness isn't a challenge to be weird and awkward with other people. It's just recognizing that reality. Would, would we endure that? You know, I, 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 
said last week, we, we talked about living in light of that day, the day that Jesus is revealed to all the world. And remember, we talked about whether I told the truth or lied or whether I was a witness or not. You remember that? Okay. Let's do this again. Let, let's think about the day that Jesus is revealed to all the world. And, and you're standing there with him. Who, who do you think you want to look most like on that day? Now, if that day's 2,000 years away, maybe, maybe you and I are motivated or not so motivated to really take that on. But, but what if that day was seven months away? What, what if that day was seven days away? Who, who do you want to... What, what do you think will be more important to you than anything else? Who do you want to look like on the day you're standing there with Jesus? Because you know what, folks? Every single one of us in here this past week was trying to look like somebody. Who do you think you want to look like on that day? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, I, I pray that, that we want to look like you. And I, I pray that in the process from this day to that day of, of wanting to look like you and be like you, to, to bring out in me what has already been birthed in me, Lord, I pray in that process that there's people in my life, in my school and work and neighborhood, there, there's family, there's friends. Gosh, Lord, I pray even strangers. I, I just pray in watching me live that they'll see something about Jesus and they'll want that. Oh, Lord, help me to take the next step in light of that opportunity. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen.